Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Good morning. Welcome to Silver Baptist Church. It's so awesome to see all of you here worshiping with us today. I'd like to welcome all of you at our Bonnie Oaks campus and those of you at our Creekside service, North Udawa campus, St. Elmo campus, and all of you worshiping online. If I haven't had a chance to meet you personally, I'm Tony Walliser. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege today to share with you God's Word. And so this is what I encourage you to do. Go ahead and take your Bibles, open up in the Old Testament to the book of Psalms, Psalm 23, 23rd Psalm. And um, if you've got a smartphone, you can open that app to the 23rd Psalm as well. And then do this. Hopefully, whenever you came in, you got one of these Bible study outlines. We give these to you so you can follow along and take notes as we study God's Word together. We're beginning a brand new series today um, called Mixtape. Now, I don't know if any of you remember mixtapes. It's sort of a retro, sort of an old school kind of thing to say, but I used to make mixtapes. So you go, what's a mixtape? Well, mixtape is basically where, you know, you got your own little cassette player, and, which doesn't exist anymore, right? And you would take all these sort of certain songs and you put them on a tape. And I had different mixtapes. And so I had some mixtapes that whenever, you know what, I really want to be motivated and pumped up, and Eye of the Tiger was on one of those mixtapes, right? And, um, and so, um, you know, I had other mixtapes tapes of when you're sort of feeling bluesy, you know, or you're feeling lonely or sad, or sometimes when you're just happy, you got happy songs, or, you know, a little romantic, you got that right. Well, today, we, we don't really have mixed tapes anymore, but what do we do? We, we sort of had playlists, and I have playlists today, right? And so I can, you know, ask to play certain of my playlists. I have a playlist for my grandson, Caleb, and, you know, and Baby Shark is on that playlist, you know. And then, um, and then, you know, I have other playlists, a playlist when I'm working out. I have other playlists whenever Susan and I have a romantic evening together, right? And so there's all these different playlists that we have. Well, did you know that in the Bible, God has given us a mixtape? God's given us a playlist. It's the book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms is basically a collection of songs. And they are songs that we can sing in all the seasons of our life. And no matter what season you're going through, there is a psalm that will help you through that season. Sometimes you're, you're happy, right? There's a psalm for that. Okay. You're sad. There's a psalm for that. You need direction. There's a psalm for that. You're, you, you, you know, you're alone. You feel lonely. There's a psalm for that. You, you, you need God to just forgive you. There's a psalm for that. I mean, you name whatever season of life you're going through, there is a psalm that exists for whatever season you're in. So for the next two months, October, November, we're gonna be in the book of Psalms. We're gonna be looking each week at a different song for whatever season you may find yourself in. Now, if you were going to actually make a playlist of your favorite Psalms from the Bible, 
I imagine the 23rd Psalm would be on your playlist, right? It's one of the most famous Psalms in the Bible. In fact, it's some of the most quoted verses in the Bible. People that don't even believe in God, people that don't even know anything about the Bible, they know portions of the 23rd Psalm. And the reason why is because it is often known as the funeral Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, right? And you hear that and go, are we in a funeral? No, we're not in a funeral, right? In fact, the 23rd Psalm really isn't a psalm about death. The 23rd Psalm is a psalm about life. And how do you learn to live your life in faith and trust in the Lord? And so that's what we're going to learn in the 23rd Psalm. And so what I'd like to do, I want to start off by all of us reading the 23rd Psalm aloud together, okay? It's going to be up on the screens. And so just read this with me. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the word of the Lord for you today. Now, whenever David wrote this psalm, he had a lot of experience as being a shepherd. As you know, the first part of David's life, he lived his life as a shepherd. And so based on that experience, he, he is saying to us, hey, I want you to know that Yahweh, Almighty God, he responds to us the way that a shepherd responds. Now, before we can jump in and start talking about, okay, all the way that God responds to us, well, we need to understand something. Okay, if it's true that God is our shepherd, that makes us what? Sheep. We're sheep, right? Okay. Now, let me just say, that's not a compliment, okay? It's not. Most of us, when we think of sheep, we sort of have this precious moments kind of, oh, they're cute and cuddly, and they're just warm and squeezy, right? No, 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 no. They are stinky. They are often nasty. And let me just remind you, they are dumb. Dumb, 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 right? I mean, there's not a lot going on up here, right? In fact, sheep, literally, they, they cannot survive without a shepherd. They, they go astray. They get lost. I mean, they're very vulnerable to disease. They're vulnerable to predators. In fact, sheep have been domesticated for so long, they can't survive without a shepherd. They can't. And neither can you. I mean, the fact is, is you never heard of a wild sheep. You've heard of wild goats, but you never see wild sheep right? You never hear of, oh no, the sheep, they're thundering on the prairie, there's a rampage. No, 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 you don't. No, if you see a wild sheep, you soon see a dead sheep, because sheep cannot survive without a shepherd, and you can't survive without the Lord as well. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to look at Psalm 23, and we're going to point out four things that describe God as our good shepherd, and then we're going to have four responses. If that's true, how do we need to respond to God? Okay? So I want you to jot it down. First thing on your outline, jot this down. First of all, we need to realize that God cares for you. You need to know that God cares for you. God is not some sadistic being up in the heavens, and he's just looking down and saying, how can I make their life miserable? That's not what God's doing. I mean, the Bible says that God loves you with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that every good and perfect thing that you have in your life, it came down to you from God. Notice how David starts off this psalm in verse one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Man, doesn't that sound good? 
Ooh, resting in green pastures, that's awesome. You know, God wants to give you some stress relief. He wants to move you from stress to rest. But that's a problem in our day and age. 86% of Americans recently polled say they are chronically stressed out. Whether it's COVID or just the stress of our culture or, you know, the fact is, is the economy and, okay, you know, inflation's going up and paycheck is going down. I mean, the fact is we're stressed out a lot. In fact, I saw a recent um, survey that said that according to one um, study, Americans consume, listen to this, 28 tons of tranquilizers every day. One psychologist said that if we can keep at this rate, all of us are going to be addicted to tranquilizers. Why? Because we're so filled with stress and anxiety. But what does God want? Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God wants to give you rest. He wants to take care of your needs. Now, let me just take the pressure off. The care of the shepherd belongs to the, sh- I mean, the care of the sheep belongs to the shepherd, right? Our problem is we always try to take it on ourselves. Now, think about it like this. You may be here and you say, well, you know what? It says, I shall not want. Well, there's a lot of things I want, right? This isn't true. God's not taking being a good shepherd to me. Well, If that's not true in your life, it can only be because of one of three reasons. Either one, you're not one of his sheep, or two, you are one of his sheep, but you've wandered away from his care, or three, God has taken care of you, but you want more than what his provision is. See, it's only one of those three. The fact is, God really does take care of us, but we want more. As Americans, what do we do? Oh, I gotta have more, I gotta have more. God blesses us and we want more and more and more. And so what do we gotta do? The Bible says we gotta learn contentment. Think about it, answer this question. What is the one thing separating you from joy in your life? If you could fill in the gap, I would be happy when, what would that be? I'd be happy when I'm healed. I'd be happy when I get that promotion. I'd be happy when, you know, I get married. I'd be happy when I get single, whatever it may be. I'd be happy when. You fill in the gap. Well, what happens if that doesn't happen? What happens if your ship doesn't sail? What happens if, you know what, your dream doesn't come true? What if the circumstances never change? Can you find joy in Christ and that be enough? I had a friend who literally lost everything, family, finances, everything. He actually went to jail. And while in jail, as I was talking with him, he said this. He said, you know, I realized something. When you've lost everything, Jesus is enough. When Jesus is all you've got, you realize Jesus is all you need. Well, is he enough? Is he enough? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I remember um, years ago reading about a short-term missionary that was helping out in the island of Bongo, helping out with this um, leper colony. And at this leper colony, you know, obviously he was helping out and one Sunday morning he was leading worship. And so he just simply asked, does anybody here have a song that you'd like for us to sing? And about the time this um, woman turned around and he saw the most disfigured face he'd ever seen before because of leprosy. She didn't have any ears. Her nose was virtually gone. You know, her lip was distorted. She, she, she lifts up her fingerless hand and says, Yes, could we sing Count Your Many Blessings? And so he starts singing the song, Count Your Many Blessings. And while they're singing, I mean, literally, he, he's overwhelmed with emotion. He can't sing it. 
One of his colleagues said to him, I guess you'll never be able to sing that song again. He goes, no, I'll be able to sing it again, but I'm going to sing it with a different perspective. You see, so many times we lose perspective that God really wants to care for us. He does. But not only he wants to care for us, look what else. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, sheep will not lie down if they feel stressed out. They won't. If they feel like there's some enemies and predators around them, they won't relax. And so what do we do? We're just like sheep. We're all stressed out. We're anxious about everything. We're scurrying about. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And God literally has to what? Make us lie down. Have you ever done that as a parent? Right? You, your kids are, you know, sort of tired and they're yawning and rubbing their eyes. You go, looks like it's nap time. What do they immediately say? No, not nap time. I'm not tired at all. I don't want to go to sleep. And what do you do? If you're a good parent, you make them lie down, right? You know, God's a good parent. He'll make you lie down. Why? Because he wants you to come to an end of yourself. Have you ever wondered why is it your circumstances aren't changing? Because you're not changing. You see, God is allowing the circumstance of your life to bring you to the place where you go, you know what? I gotta come to an end of myself. And some of you, you keep striving after, okay, I gotta get that other possession. I gotta acquire that another, you know, property. I've gotta get that new position. Or, you know what, I gotta have that relationship or whatever it may be. And you're always striving, striving, striving. And the Bible said, Jesus said, what is a profit? You gain the whole world if you lose your soul. God wants your soul at rest. So God will sometimes force you to rest. I mean, think about it. Whenever God gave the Ten Commandments, he used four words to say, you shall not murder. He uses five words to say, you shall not commit adultery. But in the Ten Commandments, you know he used 98 words to tell you to take a day of rest? To have a Sabbath rest? And yet we strive and we're, our schedules are so packed out. And God says, look, I want you to rest. Now, why is it that we as the children of God, why, why don't we experience that rest that God promises us? Do you know why? You're not gonna like it. Here it is, ready? We keep playing God. We keep acting like we're, we're, we keep acting like we're atheists, that we don't even believe there's a God. We gotta handle ourselves that our own willpower, our own you know, worrying, our own striving, somehow we're gonna make all this stuff happen. And God says, no, you're gonna come to an end of yourself and then what are you gonna do? If it's really true, folks, that God cares for you, then what is your response supposed to be? Well, jot this on your outline. You need to trust in him. You need to trust in him. You need to relax and let the shepherd do his job. And so ask yourself, what are you trusting in right now? Are you, are you trusting in that, that job you got? Are you trusting in your 401k? Are you trusting in that, your spouse? Trusting in yourself? Can I just tell you, all those things can disappear. All those things can, can be gone from your life. The question is, will you trust in the good shepherd? In fact, I want to show you two images. You're either one of these two. Here's the first image. first image is of Atlas from Greek mythology, right? Here you have Atlas, and what's he doing? He's literally holding the weight of the earth on his shoulders, and you see the muscles straining there and the agony on his face. Can I just say, that's some of you right now. You're overwhelmed, you're depressed, you're anxious, you're fearful, you're angry. Why? Because you keep holding all the things on your own. Now let's take a look at the second image, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. He's got the whole world in his hands, right? There's no stress, there's no anxiety there. See, either you're gonna handle it on your own or you're gonna rest in the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. 
And so if God cares for you, what do you need to do? I need to trust in him. Second truth about God is this, jot this down. God guides you. God guides you. God wants to order your steps. God wants to guide your path. He does. God wants to direct you. In fact, we're going to have an entire week on just how do you hear the direction of God from Psalm 25. Notice how it's written in this Psalm, verse 2. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. In your outlines, you can circle the word, he leads me. Now, why is this important? Because we as sheep, we're notoriously, we, we get lost. We go astray, right? I mean, shepherds tell us that sheep can basically see about three feet in front of them. And so what do they do? They see a little clover in here, go, hmm, that looks good, and jump, 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 jump. And they see a little grass, oh, jump, 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 and oh, jump, jump, jump. And next thing you know, they find themselves in a ravine or a ditch or over a cliff. And that's us. We're so nearsighted, what do we do? I've got to get what I want right now. We're so focused on that. I've got to have this, got to do this, right? And we, we go here and we strive for that and we, I've got to get that, I've got to get this, right? And we don't see where that path leads us and eventually we find yourself in a ditch and we go, how do we get in this ditch? It's very simple. We start focusing just on ourselves. In fact, look how the Proverbs puts this. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There's a way which seems right to a man. It seems right, but the end is the way of death. Have any of you ever been there? Let me not die physically. You've taken a wrong turn, not GPS wrong turn, but wrong turn in your life spiritually, and you went your own way, and next thing you know, you find yourself in a place of misery, right? I mean, David, who wrote this psalm, he found himself going down a Bathsheba path, and it led to misery. And so here is the good shepherd, and he wants to guide you. Well, let's be honest, folks. We don't know what the next 10 years are gonna be like. You don't know what the next 10 days are gonna be like. So we gotta learn to trust in the one who is sovereign over all. And if God wants to guide you, then what do you need to do? This is your response, jot this down. You need to listen to him. You need to listen to him. See, life is a series of decisions. Life is a series of forks in a road. Which way will I take? And see, some of us, what we do is what we want God to guide us, but we want God to guide us for our selfish purposes. And some of you, you've been climbing up the ladder and you get to the top of the ladder and you realize it's leaning on the wrong wall. And we go, yeah, yeah, I want God to guide me, but we want God to guide us for our benefit, not for his glory. No, 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 for me. No, not for him. In fact, can I just tell you, if that's your agenda and you say, God, guide me, you'll just hear silence. In fact, look at what it says. Again, verse three, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. If you want guidance for God's glory and honor and for you, know, for you to follow after the Lord, God's gonna speak to you. But if you just want it for your own selfish reasons, you, you'll just hear silence from God. In fact, let me just say, the primary way that God's gonna guide you is gonna be in an intimate relationship with him. I love the way that Jesus said this. Look at it. In John chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Now, I don't know about you, but we as humans, we are notorious for not asking for directions, right? Especially men, I know it's stereotypical, but you know, we don't like to ask for directions. But what we need to do is we need to stop, pause, pray. God, I need you. Get in his word. Ask godly wisdom from other people. And I'm telling you, if you do that, God will guide you. And whenever you find God's will, the Bible says God's will is always good, acceptable, and perfect. 
So God cares for you. Trust in him. God wants to guide you. So listen to him. Third characteristic about God is this. Number three is this. God protects you. God protects you. Now, sheep are completely defenseless. I mean, there's been documented cases where two dogs have killed 290 sheep in one evening. These aren't two wolves. They're just two dogs. They're just playing, chasing and nipping at them. And what happens? The sheep get so stressed out, they die. Why? Because sheep can't defend themselves. You think sheep are going to defend themselves? Gnaw on those little teeth? No, that's not how sheep can defend themselves. Sheep are helpless. What do they need? They need a shepherd. Now, our problem is, is that when you think, oh, okay, God's my good shepherd, and we got sort of this, you know, the wrong image of, of, a, of a good shepherd. The Bible says here, how does this start off? It starts off with Yahweh. This is almighty God, creator of the universe, is my shepherd. See, our problem, we have this sort of wimpy image of Jesus as our good shepherd, right? Look at that picture there. He looks like Fabio, right? This looks like a shampoo commercial. He's got the flowing hair and, you know, he's got smooth skin and clean clothes. Can I tell you, no shepherds ever look like that. The shepherd's a man's man. He's bold. He's courageous. I mean, do you remember in the Old Testament whenever David goes to King Saul and says, I want to take on Goliath? And King Saul goes, wait a minute. He's been a warrior for years. You're just a teenager. How in the world are you going to take on Goliath, David? What does David say? I've been working out with P90X. No. He says, I'm a shepherd, man. That's how I can take on the giant. See, see what's happened is, is that, you know, whenever a bear would come after my sheep, I put him down. Whenever a lion would attack one of my lambs, I would kill him, right? I can take on Goliath because God will do that to him just like he did to those. See, whenever you need to think of God as your shepherd, you need to understand he's warrior, he's mighty, he's powerful, he is able. And so how is he gonna protect? Check it out, look at it, verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Circle the word fear there, that's our problem. And we have fear, and it comes in different shapes and sizes and different names. We can say, I'm just worried a little bit or a little anxious about that. I'm a little stressed out, right? I'm, you know, we don't often say fear, but those are all just differing degrees of fear. And so what do we do when we really don't believe that God is able? What do we do? We, we try to handle it on our own. But David is saying, look, I've been surrounded by evil, folks. And listen, David's been through more trials than any of us have ever been through. And he says, God is faithful. God will protect you through evil. And whenever you see yourself surrounded, what do you gotta do? You gotta get your eyes and put it on the, the shepherd. And you see his, you know, his rod of protection and his staff of correction. God's gonna take care of you. See, what you need to know is that no matter what you're facing right now in your life, if you really belong to the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, ready? God's got it. God's got this. You don't have to fear. God's got it. You don't have to fear. God's got it. In fact, turn to somebody next to you and say, God's got this. God's got this. He's got this, right? And so if God's gonna protect you, then what do you need to do as a sheep? How do you need to respond? Jot this down. You need to walk forward with him. You need to walk forward with him. 
Again, look at how this is written. Verse four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow. Now, did you notice what it didn't say? It doesn't say, I run. <laughs> Get me out of this you know, mess, right? It doesn't say, you know, I'm freaked out by the shadow of the valley and I'm gonna, you know, run the other direction, right? It doesn't say that I freeze in fear. Oh no, I'm in the shadow, I'm in the valley. Oh my goodness, I'm in a valley. So what happens so many times is that we go through a valley, we're overwhelmed with the darkness and shadows of life and we don't keep walking forward with him. What do we do? We get mad at him. Well, fine, God, you're gonna let me go through this valley. Done with you. I'm going my own way. Yeah, see how that works out for you, right? no. What you gotta do is you gotta choose, I'm gonna walk forward with him. I'm gonna walk forward with him. Now, if you're in a valley, the valley of the shadows, all you see is darkness, right? But let me remind you of something. You only have shadows when there's a light, right? You only have shadows when there's a light. And so often what we do is when we're in the valley, all we see is the darkness and we focus just on the darkness and what we need to do is Turn around and look for the light. Like that old hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And so what you need to do is say, okay, I'm gonna fix my eyes on Jesus in this valley. I'm gonna walk forward with him. So God cares for you, trust him. God protects you, you know, follow him, walk forward with him. God's gonna guide you, listen to him. But there's a fourth truth about God and it's this, jot this down, number four is this, God holds your future. God holds your future. I've got good news for you. God wants to give you a hope and a future. That no matter how bad things are right now, God wants to give you a hope and a future. Look at how this is described in verse five. God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I mean, right now, some of you, you feel like you're surrounded by enemies. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a family member, and you're just like, oh my goodness, man, they just never stop. They're always on me. Maybe it's an illness, and you're surrounded by the predators, and so what do we do? We focus on the enemies. We focus on the predators rather than focusing on Jesus Christ. And whenever we do that, we miss the provision. It says here that God prepares a table before you. And what do we do? We get so focused on the enemies, we no longer see the table of God's provision in our life. I learned a long time ago that peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of Jesus, folks. Let me say that again. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of Jesus. And so look again how this future is promised us. Verse five, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I love that. I mean, it's almost like God has two sheepdogs that follow you. One is called goodness and one is called mercy, right? I mean, you need God's goodness for your steps. You need his mercy for your stumbles. You need God's goodness to help you. You need God's mercy to heal you. You need God's goodness to supply every need. You need God's mercy to forgive every sin. And God promises that he will walk with you through the valleys. He's gonna take care of you. He's gonna give you rest. But I love how this psalm ends. Look at it. The end of verse six, it says this. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, folks, that's a crazy thought, but that's your future. I'm gonna dwell in the house of the Lord forever? I mean, think about that. The sheep 
get to live in the house of the shepherd. <laughs> that's a crazy thought, right? We get to live forever with a shepherd. That's awesome. Did you know that's exactly what Jesus promised when he talked about heaven? Look at it. In John chapter 14, verse 2, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you? I go to prepare a place for you. Can I just remind you? We're not home yet. This isn't home. Well, I got all this brokenness, all this pain. Yeah, I know. This is not home. You, do, you, do you ever have those times you have this homesick feeling? Yeah, because this isn't home. Heaven is our final destination. I love the way C.S. Lewis put it. He said this, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were created for another world. You look around, you see the heartache, the pain, the struggles, the sorrow, the difficulties. Look, folks, that's what this world is. We can try to make this world as awesome as we can, but it will never, ever, ever be heaven. There's always going to be disease. There's always going to be pain. We're always going to be sorrow. Why? Because we're not home yet. But God has promised that if you are one of his sheep, one day he's taking you home forever. So how do you experience that? I mean, right now, how do you know like you know like you know that if you died tomorrow, you'd be in the presence of the Lord? Well, this is the final response. Jot this on your outline. You need to know him personally. You need to know him personally. See, a lot of people, they have a head knowledge religion, but they don't have a heart relationship with God. They, they don't. They, they, they know the 23rd Psalm, but they don't know the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm. Notice how David puts this. The Lord is my shepherd. He guides me. Lord, you are with me. The problem is a lot of us, you know, you only know God skin deep. You only have a surface relationship with God. Let me explain it like this. Okay, I've got an apple here. And what if I tried to, if you've never had an apple before, tried to explain to you how awesome apples are, right? And I said to you, wow, apples are amazing. I mean, they are sweet and they're juicy, but what if all you've ever had of an apple is the peel? All you've ever had is the outside. And I, I say, hey, you know what? Apples are sweet. And you go, no, they're not. They're sort of bitter and tart, you know? No, no, no. Apples are juicy. They're not juicy. They're dry and bland. And you would maybe call me a liar because all you've ever experienced is the peel of an apple, well, a lot of us, when we come to the 23rd Psalm and we see all these amazing things that God has promised us, we go, well, I don't know if that's true about God. Well, maybe because all you've experienced of God is the peel. All you've experienced is the outside. All you've experienced is religion. You've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. You go, well, how do you have that relationship? Well, I got good news for you. God promised to King David that one of his descendants was gonna come who would rule and reign and be the great good shepherd forever. And whenever Jesus came, he claimed to be the one. Check it out. Look what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see, Jesus Christ, he laid down his life for you. He died on the cross in our place and for our sins. And to prove it, God raised him up from the dead. Jesus literally took on all of your enemies of sin and Satan. Jesus walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? So that you could dwell in the house forever. Christ has done that for you. But now you've got to make a response. You've got to choose. 
Am I going to surrender to the shepherd? Or am I going to continue to live my wayward life? You've got the choice that you've got to make. And so what you must do, if you're going to be truly a follower of Christ, is not you know, be religious and come to church and just learn some knowledge. No, you have to come to that place where you repent. You turn from yourself and you turn to Christ. And you come to that place where you surrender. You say, Jesus, you're now the shepherd. I'm not. I'm one of your sheep and I surrender to you. And the Bible says at that moment of repentance and faith, the Bible says you are forgiven of all your sins. I believe that some of you today need to make that decision. Today, you can call on Jesus Christ. You can say, I'm letting go of my control, and I'm giving my control to you, Jesus. Let me close with this story. It was told by Pastor um, Wilbur Chapman. He was a pastor of a church for a number of years, and he was called to a house where a 10-year-old boy was dying of cancer. And so he comes, and you know, he talks to the boy, and he reads the 23rd Psalm, and he sort of explains what it means. And he tells the boy, he says, I, I know that in the days ahead, there's going to be some dark moments of valleys and maybe some fearful times, but I want you to know that God is with you. And I know you can't see him, but he is here. Will you trust him? And the boy said, yes. And Pastor Chapman said, this is what I want you to do, because as the shepherd, shepherd has a staff. And so what I want you to do is that whenever you have those moments when you're afraid, I just want you to grab your index finger and just imagine that it's the Lord's staff, and you're just saying, Lord, I'm trusting you, I'm clinging to you. And just hang on to the Lord and he'll carry you through the valleys that you're gonna walk through. Or a few days go by and the boy does pass away and the parents, when they look at his face, has just got this serene look on his face and then they look at his hands and he's clinging to the staff saying, in this valley, I'm trusting in you, Jesus. I'm trusting in you. I don't know what you're going through but I know something that our God is faithful. And if you will cling to him and trust in him with all your heart, he will be faithful to you. He will carry you through the valleys and the challenges of life. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the truth of what we're learning. And God, we want to be able to sing this song that the Lord is my shepherd. And Lord, right now, for those individuals that really can't sing this song because they don't have a relationship with you, I pray, Lord, you convict them, you'd show them, you bring them to that place of surrender, even right now in this moment. Lord, we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the Connect Card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.